Well, good morning. Welcome to another session of our Monday Deep Dive. Glad that you can join us or be with us this morning. Um, we have been going through a, a study here at church on Sundays as we've walked through this Advent Christmas season, uh, thinking about the idea of anticipation, building anticipation for the things that we get excited about, things we look forward to. And it's fun to think about how the idea of anticipation is woven into the pages of Scripture and how much anticipation is a part of our faith. Um, and all throughout the story of God, as we look through the pages of Scripture, we, we see, the, we see the, the, the momentum of anticipation all over the place. Um, I think about as far back as in the pages of Genesis and in the stories of creation and when God makes Adam and Eve. Uh, even, even when Adam and Eve sin and, and God speaks judgment over that action of sin, I think of Genesis 3.15, I believe off the top of my head, where God says to Eve how um, born from you, uh, one will come who is going to crush the head of the serpent, the snake. And so as far back as Genesis and the days of creation uh, and, and the origin and the beginnings of God's redemptive plan, he was already kind of putting in this flavor of anticipation, this expectation that something was going to come. And, and even there in the days of creation, God was saying something's coming um, that's going to bring total and complete victory uh, over everything that has caused disruption between me and you. So it's a beautiful thing that God has always been engaged with um, our salvation, always been engaged and always been intentional with uh, securing and affirming and rescuing what was most precious to him, which was you and me. Isn't that just wonderful news? And that's such a big part of what Christmas is about. It's part of why we at Grace Point have been thinking about this idea of anticipation because uh, Christmas is a building up to the, the final and most meaningful celebration that Emmanuel, God is with us. God finally came in the person of Jesus. And so what we've been doing as a study, and part of this includes our Monday morning deep dive, is we've been looking at how God has was preparing his people, Israel, for the eventual arrival of the Messiah, Jesus, this, the Savior of the world. And one of the ways that God did that, among many, was he gave to the people of Israel these, these particular offices or, or functions, these roles of um, that were meaningful, that helped facilitate life for Israel uh, amongst one another and ultimately in relationship to God. And these roles were, were important to them as a nation. They were important to them as a people of God. And these roles were, um, and these roles are known to us even today, the, the role of prophet and priest and king. And where each of these roles were valuable, they ultimately were creating an image of a kind of person that would be perfectly realized in the person of Jesus. So Jesus becomes this perfect prophet who speaks the word of God to us. Jesus becomes the perfect priest who is the mediator, the one who connects God and man, 1 Timothy 2.5. Jesus becomes for us that perfect king who rules and reigns not only righteously, which we all long for in our leadership, amen, church? He not only rules and reigns righteously, but forever. And there's a guarantee in that. So, Yesterday, we talked about this idea of anticipating a priest. Now, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about priest? Right? When you hear that word, the first thing that comes into your mind. Because just for the fun of it, I, I went to Google and I just searched priest image, 
right? Like, I'm just curious, like even from a, a standpoint of Google searching, like what's the first image that comes to the mind of Google when you type in priest? And you know what? It wasn't me and it wasn't you that came into the, the image search of Google. The first thing that came in, in fact, it was like 99 some thousand related image searches. And I didn't take time to go through all of them, but the first couple of scrolls down, it was all the images of, you know, black wearing, white collar looking Catholic priests. Maybe that was the first image that came to your mind. It's something that we are relating to, we associate with. The reason why I bring this up and why I, I wondered if the image wasn't you or me when you type in Google of priests image is because as we think about the role, the kind of priest that God gave to Israel to ultimately uh, demonstrate how Jesus would fulfill the perfect role of priest, something even more remarkable happens. As we continue on with the story of God and we see the establishment of the church because of what Jesus has done on the cross and through his resurrection, he then builds the church through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. And the most remarkable thing happens. Suddenly, under the new covenant, this new promise of Jesus, we go from being a people who saw the temple and, and only knew of the presence of God in the most holiest of places, the Holy of Holies, where only one person and one time a year could go, to now because of Jesus, uh, the access that we have to God through Jesus is is permanent, it's continual, it's it's. It's always there. And so the Holy Spirit comes and dwells with us. We see this in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And all of a sudden, each and every one of our lives, those of us who confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and invite him to become the Lord of our life because we acknowledge our brokenness and our sin and our desperate need for him. He comes and he brings new life in us. The old is gone and the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5. And so in the relationship to this beautiful reality, all of a sudden, the dynamics of his presence and how we, we engage in him become incredibly personal and relatable. And so, and to put it more, in, more, uh, in a more kind of pronounced way, the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 says, Now coming to him as to a living stone referring to Jesus, who was rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones. So immediately you are being related to and identified with Jesus. You also are a living stone, precious in the sight of God, built up as a spiritual house, listen to this now, for a holy priesthood. That's what you are becoming. Offering up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. I want to go on and read verse 9 of 1 Peter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, if we're paying attention to the, the, the great narrative of God's redemptive story, 1 Peter 2, 9 sounds incredibly similar to Exodus chapter uh, uh, chapter 19, verse 6. Where in Exodus 19, verse 6, God says essentially the same thing to the people of Israel when they're standing at the, sort of at the base of Mount Sinai, as we know the story. God says to them that he wants to make them a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, 
a people set apart for God's own possession. It's no mistake that Peter, under the new covenant of Jesus, would essentially say to you and to me, that's the same standard. Jesus has made you now a priest. So I want us to think about what do priests do? And I want to go through this quickly. What we, rev- what we can review from yesterday is that the Old Testament's biblical function of the priest was essentially designed to, one, teach the laws of God to the people, and then second, to, um, to perform the sacred duties of temple worship so that they could help the people who were sinful uh, approach God in a humbling, honoring way and offer up to him the the worship and the offerings and the sacrifices that he was deserving of, he was worthy of. And now we are called to do this. And and so when I think about this idea of how now do we become priests, and we, in a sense, take on that function, the ultimate objective is still the same. From what was designed for the people of Israel in Exodus 19 to what now Peter is saying to us in chapter 2 of 1 Peter The function and the ultimate goal is still the same, that as priests, we are set apart. We are people of God's own possession, thanks be to Jesus, so that through our lives, we can be a testimony of the greatness and the wonder of God. In some ways, it hasn't changed. But yet, of course, we don't have a a temple. We don't have this sort of physical building. We don't have this impasse where we can't enter into the presence of God. We're not sacrificing animals. The dynamics have changed, and yet in some ways the, the, the process by which we do this hasn't. Let me explain. Yes, we don't have a physical temple anymore, but we become a spiritual temple. And this is part of what Peter is referring to when we come to the living stone that is Jesus. We ourselves become living stones. So we collectively, as the, as the gathered church, because of the Holy Spirit in us, we are collectively becoming this, this temple. Where through our lives and through the participation we have with one another as the gathered church, whether it's where two or three are gathered, I am there, Jesus says, or it's in a larger gathering of corporate worship, we are collectively participating in worship. Because we, in a sense, become the temple. Uh, in fact, in Revelation uh, chapter 3, uh, a series we've just recently been going through as a church, Jesus' message to the church in Philadelphia, who was a church of faithfulness because they suffered for the name of Jesus and they upheld their testimony for the sake of Jesus. Jesus says that as a reward to their faithfulness, they will become pillars in the temple of my God. So we are a part of something special and dynamic. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, at the end of that chapter, I believe, says the same same thing, that we are being knit together, we are being built together into the temple of God. So as priests um, and participating in this new kind of temple worship, we are continually offering up sacrifices. But it's a different kind of sacrifice. No longer are we offering up the sacrifices of goats and lambs and and other things. Jesus has offered the one sacrifice that's permanent and it is finished. So what is the sacrifices that we continue to offer up? Well, let me take you to two places quickly for our time this morning. Romans 12, chapter 1 says, I urge you, beloved, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies. So no longer lambs and goats and pigeons and things like that. It's your body. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. So there's no, there's no dying taking place. Don't worry. Um, but you are a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. This is your spiritual service of worship. So as a priest, the sacrifice or the offering I bring is my life. My willing obedience to be used as a vessel. A means for God's glory. So that through my life, uh, much is made of Jesus. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing, a humbling thing to think that our lives have that capacity to make much of Jesus. And, and how does that, what does that look like? How, how do we make much of Jesus? Well, how do our lives become a, an offering and a sacrifice? Well, uh, two verses that I find helpful are in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Just, just to help us wrap our minds around, what does that look like? Like my, my life is a, an offering. Um, it says in Hebrews 13, verse 15, Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Okay, sounds similar to Romans 12. What, and it says, that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So one of the offerings or sacrifices we give up is the way we use this, our, our lips, our mouth, our words, and the things that we speak. Part of it is the way we edify and build up, and we use our words as a means of encouragement and support and and, and But ultimately, the way that we make much of the name of Jesus, are we proclaiming him? Are we testifying of him? Are we giving him credit when we speak with friends and family and, and mingle around and interact even with strangers? Are, are, we, are we taking advantage of making much of Jesus, giving him credit when credit is due? Giving him the praise when he is worthy of receiving that? It, it, are we testifying of him? And it says in verse 16, And do not neglect doing good and sharing for such sacrifice as God is pleased. So then again, on a practical level, like being mindful, being aware, part of it just means like not being like self-centered or selfish. That part of how we offer our body as a sacrifice to God is thinking of others and looking at how we can support others. That can happen through our families, our spouse, our children, our loved ones. It can be through our friends, uh, seeking ways to bless them, to provide for them, to come alongside and stand with them. Um, and, 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 and sharing in these things. This is what Jesus says, what God says in his word. These sacrifices, God is pleased. God's also pleased with our faith. Hebrews, thir uh, Hebrews 13, verse 5. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11, verse 5, I believe says, um, of verse 6, that God is pleased um, through our faith. So there are ways that as priests, we can offer up offerings and sacrifices with our faith, just trusting in him, with our words and our confession of him. And the way we don't just think of ourselves, but think of others and in doing good, God is pleased. Sometimes it doesn't take much, friends. So when I ask you, like, what does a priest look like? Um, it looks like you. Uh, you know, look in the mirror. Uh, you are a priest. You are part of a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So that through our lives, and through what he is doing in and through us, um, Jesus is glorified. And what a powerful testimony that is to an unbelieving world. To see lives like yours radically transformed because of the wonderful work Jesus has done for us. Hey, thanks for being with me this morning. Thanks for taking time to think about this idea of being a priest and what that looks like. Next Sunday, we'll be anticipating a king 
for our Advent series. So I hope you can join us for next Sunday. And then on Wednesday, Pastor Steve will be with you again at 10 o'clock here on Facebook Live. Uh, blessings on each and every one of you this week, you guys. Talk to you later.